Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. That are for the first time, some of you have come back, and it's so great to see you and, and to be able to spend some time with you uh, after the service. If I haven't had an opportunity to say hi to you, it'd be great, you know, if you can, if you're if you're one of those that air hugs and just give me one of those. If you, you know, I'm I'm either way, so it doesn't matter. But I would like to see your face and and say hi to you for just a moment. But today I want to talk about God's will and God's plan, and they're two different things because. We always uh, think that God's will for our, for our life is his plan, is what he has planned for us. But actually, God's will for our life is, is the same for everyone. So God's will for us is the same for us as a group. But God's plan is for every individual. It's different for every person because every person has a, a, a plan that God put in your life. In fact, the scriptures say that uh, your life has been put into a book, into verse, and into chapter. And it, right, It's already been written out. And as I said in the first uh, service, because we were ministering to some of the, the, the wiser people, uh, it's the 55 and older group we're for right now, but we were ministering to the wiser people, and I said, it doesn't matter if you miss God's plan for 60 years of your life. He could fulfill his plan through you in one. Right? So it, it's not like, oh, I messed up, or I didn't, you know, I'm going to catch God's plan now. It's too late. It's, you, do you realize that you're telling God it's too late? Our God does not work in the realm of time. He doesn't work in the realm, right? That doesn't affect him. God is not limited by our inabilities because he is able no matter what, right? So Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 is our reference scripture today. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, graduates. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy, everybody say worthy, of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. You think it took endurance and patience to get where you're at? (laughs) It's just getting started. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. Wow. Right? God, to fill you with the knowledge of his will. We pray to God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. See, my prayer for all of you, including our graduates this morning, is that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all the wisdom, not some wisdom, but all the wisdom. You didn't think you could be a wise guy, right? You wise guy? You didn't think you could be one, right? Well, we all are wise according to him. If we ask, he shall give us wisdom. Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. See, Paul continues to say, so that you may live a life worthy. Now, we have to deal with this word because... We think worthy. Worthy of what? Worthy of Jesus dying on the cross. Isn't that a good saying? We say, oh, Jesus died on the cross, and we have to live our life worthy of what he did for us. 
But, you know, if we approach it that way, then all we do is put a burden on ourselves because we could never repay what Jesus did for us. That is, that is a debt that we will never pay back. And it's awesome that he doesn't hold it over us. He gave it to us as a gift. So we don't become worthy to receive that. We've already received that. We've already received that. The word worthy here means uh, to live a congruent life. That the way that God, in the way that God sees us, to agree and to correspond with what happened. Not to try and live up to what happened, because we never will. But we need to respond to that. We need to live a life uh, uh, that responds to what he did for us. Understanding uh, <laughs> that doing God's will is not a burden or a payback for what he did for us. Let us look at what his will is. The Bible clearly states what is the will of God for you. It's clear, and I'm going to use a lot of scriptures this morning to show you that. But we make the mistake of confusing it with God's plan for our life. See, God has a plan for our life which concerns what he wants you to accomplish. That is specific to you and you alone. God's will for your life is what he wants to accomplish in all of us. He expects something from us as the body of Christ. He expects something from us as the church. But then he expects something from each individual because he created us with a plan in, in, before we were even conceived. <clears throat> I like to say before you were even a gleam in your father's eye. Before he winked at your mama, right? Before any of that happened, he already had a plan. It was already set in place. He knew you were, you think, oh wow, look at that. Didn't expect that to come out of there. He knew exactly what was happening. He knew exactly what that life was going to do. He knew ex he had a plan already. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was figuring it out as it went along. As your life went, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. No, he had a specific plan for your life. <clears throat> the best way to find out this plan, graduates and people of God, the best way to find out what God's plan for you is, is, for, for you is, is to start doing his will. When you're living in God's will, the plan gets figured out. You're not going to figure out God's plan for your life until you're living in his will. See, we can't even start to begin to think that we could fulfill the plan without living in his will. See, if we fulfill God's uh, will as a whole, then we will fulfill God's plan as an individual. So what is this? What is God's will for our life? Well, there's, there's seven things that God wills for us. Number one. God wills for us to live a sanctified life. He, he wills for us to be, uh, 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 he wills for us to have sanctification or to be sanctified. In 1 Thessalonians, ooh, a little chicken came out. <clears throat> In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's tough preaching two services. I don't know how these guys do it, five or six services a day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 I said chicken because in Spanish, un gallo. When, you know, I don't know if it translates right, but. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 says, For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. It's so quiet when you talk about sex from the pulpit. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Wow. 
It's not only your responsibility, it's your brother's responsibility. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. What is God's will for our life? Sanctification. And here it talks about sexual immorality. We, when we do uh, premarital uh, counseling, when they come to, to you know, oh, we're going to get married and, and we're going to have this and, and you know, they want to get married, usually the young people. We, my first question, and they always look at me funny, you know, when you're a pastor, you're, they, there's a certain uh, thing that they expect you to say and do and a certain way to act. Well, uh, that's not me. So they come into the room and I always, are you guys having sex? Well, you know, and they're automatically, they look. And one time it was great. One time I asked them, are you guys having sex? One said no, the other one said yes. <laughs> so I looked at the one that said no, I said, you're doing something wrong, buddy. Because <laughs> if they said yes, then there's something here is not, you know, something here is not right. So, and then we, we explain to them, you know, this is not God's plan for your life. And you're, got, you're about to get married. You're about to become one with this person and have a covenant for the rest of your life. Do you want to make a mistake here? You don't want to make this mistake. You want to get it right, right? So, when, you know, to enable, to, to enable you to do that, you got to know God's will for your life and you have to live in sanctification. Why? Because sanctification causes you to be focused, when you have sin and sexual immorality in your life, it's like having a cloud over your head and you can't see straight. You can't see. Once, once that happens, <laughs> you're like you're somewhere else. You don't care if the person has a bad personality. You don't care. At that point, once that happens, you, that's it. That's it. And there's a saying that says, you know, why buy the cow if it's giving away its milk, Right? And that's what happens. You just, it's, all of a sudden, you're just in this cloud and you're not able to focus. Why? Because of lack of sanctification. It works not just in marriage, but in your life. How are you going to find God's plan if you're not living your life in a way that glorifies God that you could see clearly? Because it's not your plan. It's His plan. So to, in order to hear His plan, you've got to live His way. Because He's God. We okay? You guys, that's only number one. You guys still love me? <laughs> Number two, this is nicer. This one will smooth out the first one. Thankfulness. Right? We have to live out God's will in our thankfulness. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything, everybody say everything. Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God, to be thankful in everything. Yes, even the bad, even the, the ugly, even the good, everything. No matter what's happening, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, in everything be grateful. In the good, the bad, the ugly. It comes with a promise. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. That word with that comes before the word thanksgiving, puts the word thanksgiving in the beginning of this. So in other words, having thanksgiving, you pray and have supplication. Even though it's written afterwards, but once you put the with before it, in, in the way that it's written, you put the with before it, it means that the thanksgiving is actually comes before the prayer. You have to be, have a thankful heart before you come before God with prayer. And, and then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's a promise to be thankful in your prayers. You know, if you're, if you're unthankful, 
If you're ungrateful, it comes out in your, in your prayers. All right? Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily. Before you even get to the gimme gimme, you give him glory. Oh, God in heaven. Holy. Right? You, you start off by praising him and worshiping him and thanking him for who he is in your life. Before you even ask for anything. Instead of coming to God, oh God, I know it's been six months, but things have been good, so I really didn't need you. Try that with your wife or your husband. It's not a good relationship, is it? Okay, I, I thought I was going to keep it nice, but I didn't. Number two. Okay, number three. We, he, he wills for us to be a witness. You want to live God's will for your life? You have to be a witness. Acts, be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You shall be a witness in your neighborhood, in your county, in your city, in your job, in your supermarket. And, right? Be a witness. Be a testimony. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 12 says, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. Be a witness or a testimony to those that you may lack nothing. You want to live in the land of no lack? Be a witness. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking things, I'm, you know, and you're moaning and groaning all the time about what you don't have. Well, you're not being a good witness, not just to those around you, but to God, our provider. See how it all works together? It clears everything up. It helps us to be focused. It helps us to be a witness. It helps us to be grateful. Number four, our genuineness. This is a big one. Those of you who are graduating, you graduates, be genuine. Be yourself. I know in the army they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna break you down, man, and they right in the navy they, they turn you into what they want you to be. But somewhere in there, keep who you are. Keep who you are. It's very important that we're God created you that way. You know, when God called me into ministry, I, I said, Lord, are you sure? I mean, you know who I am. <laughs> you understand my personality. You realize that, you know. I have the gift of sarcasm, and, and not everybody likes that. And I like to joke around and laugh, and sometimes I offend people. Back in the day, I used to offend people a lot. And sometimes, you know, uh, and God, and I went before God, and I told them all the things, just like Moses, all the things that I couldn't and wasn't able to do. And then he goes, hey, I called Saul. He was a terrorist. When he called Saul to become Paul, he was killing Christians in the name of God. We could say today in the name of Allah or, or however, you know, not that they're all Muslims are uh, like that because they're not. And we got to be very careful not to do that, that we find one that's, that's tainted and then we, we mark them all. I got great Muslim friends that love their God and, and, and love people and are peace, very peaceful. I'm not going to say anything else about that. But we have to be those that are genuine. It's, it's don't be a hypocrite. Don't try to behave a certain way. And when I went before God, God says, I called you just like that. Now, have I changed? Yes. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to go into transformation. But uh, have I changed? Yes. Some things needed to change because of how I interact with other people. And I never, my, my heart is, and my motive is never to hurt you. I wouldn't be in ministry if I, if, if I wanted to hurt people. So, my heart was never there. So God showed me through his Holy Spirit and through 
my wife, my helper, which he sent to me and, and told me every time I messed up and reminded me, reminded me what the Holy Spirit was already telling me, right? And, and, but I always stayed who I was. And I told him, if you're going to use me this way, then you got to understand, I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not a hypocrite. The guy you see before you this morning is the same guy you're going to see in my home. It's the same guy you're going to see at the supermarket down the street. It, it, I, don't, I don't put on something to come here in the morning or act a different way somewhere else. This is, this is what you get, right? Because it's not about me. That's what's awesome. When, the, when God says, it's not about you, I'm just going to use you. You know, that instrument sits up here, it's pretty and everything, you can look at it, but it doesn't play its music unless somebody grabs it and actually plays it. And they got to know how to play it. And that's all we are is instruments in his hands. You just sit here, we're nothing, but in God's hands, ooh, man, he's the master. He's the master. So be yourselves in whatever, that, whatever you do, whether you go into the military or college, be who you are. Don't let others, you know, I know high school and, and middle school uh, is tough. Because people want to mold you into something. You want to fit in and, and all that. And, and sometimes, you know, you lose yourself in the midst of all that. Luke chapter 6, verses 41 and 42, it says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? How many of you heard that before? Maybe not as a scripture, but, but you know, somebody, oh, you got a plank in your own eye, right? And we use it when somebody tries to correct you. Oh, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of mine. You know, we, we, we beat each other up, you know, over these things and then, and then we read it and we realize, oh, maybe, maybe I, I'm not allowed to, to help anybody or tell anybody. or It's not what it means. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not seek, see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. So I'm just reading with it. It's just an exclamation mark. <laughs> Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. All that means is you got to work harder on you before you can help somebody else. doesn't mean you can't help somebody else. doesn't mean that. It just means that you have to work harder on you before you reach out to help somebody else. That's all. Don't be a hypocrite. Work on, work on, be genuine and work on yourself and realize that there is a plank in your own eye. When, you know, some of the things, I've said some things from this pulpit and somebody came up to me afterwards and says, wow, I've never heard a pastor say that, that they struggled with that or, or that they needed a friend. Or, and I was like, well, ain't I human too? I, am I supposed to be perfect? Because if I was, then let's get me crucified because that's the, that's, that's the result of that, Right? Isn't it? That's what happens. No, I'm just like you, but with a calling in my life. That's all. I'm just like anybody else in the room, just smarter. No. <laughs> There's a guy that's, I'm just like you, just, I'm smarter, I'm stronger, I'm, you know. That's not true. <laughs> Be genuine. See, the world is tired of the church's hypocrisy. Being genuine will allow God to remove the plank in your eye so we could truly help others. And that's why we're here. It does not say that you're not able to help others, but that to do so, you must work on your own self and be genuine to who you are. Now, sometimes we say, oh, Pastor Rick said that I should be genuine and be myself, so I'm going to you know, go drink, smoke, and beat my wife because that's who I am. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. I don't need to explain that, right? I think we should be able to continue on. Number five, 
He wills our transformation. Part of what he wants all of us to do, or part of it that he wants in all of our lives, is to be transformed. You know, and you went through elementary school, and you went through high school, and, and now you're going to go military, you're going to go college, you know, and, and they're going to they're gonna try to, they're going to try to transform you. <laughs> they're going to try to feed you something that may not fit just right. And you may have to say, yes, sir, while in the background you're going, that's not my God. <laughs> you know, that's not how it works. And sometimes we have to do that. It doesn't make you a hypocrite, right? It doesn't make you a hypocrite, but be yourself and let, allow yourself to be transformed by God. And don't allow others to transform you into the ways of the world. Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, transformation through the Word proves His will through you. You know, you want proof? Okay, allow Him to transform you. Surrender to Him. King David was good at that. He has a prayer where he says, Search me, O God. If there's any iniquity in me, cleanse me of all that. Search my heart, O God. That's a pretty strong prayer. You ever pray that? You ever open the door of your heart and say, God, search. Go in there to my deepest, darkest areas and let me know what's in there that needs to come out. What needs to be cleansed? What needs to be transformed? What needs to come out, Lord? Hmm. Don't worry, he's gentle. Your transformation allows you to prove, not find the will of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become what new new that's a transformation you know that's a whole recreation for me it's like wow you i buried i always say this i buried the old guy the first guy that was born as you know ricardo alberto carrillo that guy is buried now my name is still ricardo alberto carrillo but i'm not that guy anymore i'm different why because i was I've been made a new creation. And in that new creation, I allowed him to transform me. And because of that, I'm fulfilling his will. Because Jesus died on the cross that he would be able to come into my life and change me. Not change who I am, how God created me, but change the things in my life that don't bring glory to God, that are not within his will. Not within his will. I've become new. Number six, we need to, God's will is that we give him our service. We need to serve God. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable... There's that, that saying again. Reasonable, reasonable service. Thank God that we're not doing this to pay him back. Thank God that we're not trying to... But he's saying, it's your reasonable service. This is, I'm not asking too much of you, Right? I gave, I died on the cross for you. I gave my life. Now, I'm not asking you to die. I'm asking you to live. See, <laughs> we think that God wants us to die because he died. No, no. Because he died, he wants us to live. And live for him. And live within his will so we can fulfill his plan. Because if it was just you get saved and you get to go to heaven, then you get saved. Pew, when you go through the roof, you leave your shoes behind and you're ready to go. 
And you, just, you know, then who stays behind to preach the gospel? Who stays behind to fulfill the will of God? Who stays behind to be able to show others that there's a God that transforms you and cleanses you and sanctifies you? That's why we're here. I got a job to do. How about you? I'm serving him. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever, God, whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Whatever you're doing, Whatever you're doing, wherever you work, you know, you have, I have a secular job, I go to this job, and I just, I hate it. I, I, I just, I don't like my boss, I don't like what I do. And you're just complaining, you're not thankful, you're not, how are you ever going to fall into his plan if you can't even fulfill his will? By being grateful that you have a job, that money's coming in, that you can pay the bills, right? And do it as if unto God, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're building widgets... Build widgets as if unto God. There's a, there's a story about a man that came from another country. I won't say where, but he came from another country. He, in the country he came from, he was a doctor, highly educated. They even made a movie about him. Highly educated man, moved to New York, and, uh, and you know, he, he could not be a doctor in the States without a license and all that, and he barely spoke English. So he began to mop a, a pizza place. In New York and he was mopping the pizza place and cleaning up after hours and he would go in and then the, he did such a great job that the guy next door in a different restaurant a different business said hey would you come in after business and clean my place and I'll pay you also he says sure I'll do that and he would come in after the businesses would close and he would go for one and then another one down the street says hey I heard how good of a job you do and he, he ended up with four or five of them now he owns one of the largest cleaning services in the in the state of New York he came over in, in the early 60s, and now he owns one. Why? And they asked him, well, how did you do that? And he goes, oh, because I did my job as if unto God himself. Yeah. See, I don't work for these men. I don't work for this pizza place. I, don't, I work for him. And because I, was, I had to mop floors, I mopped them and mopped them and, and cleaned them like they'd never been cleaned before. Because God was looking upon me, and God wanted me to be a good testimony of who he was. He wanted me to live a sanctified life, and he wanted me to, to, to live according to him and work and serve him in this way. That's how we should serve him, without complaining, without worrying about what man says or sees. We had a guy in our, in our church, uh, I won't tell you, not this one, but another one. <laughs> it's not you. Um, and... He used to do stuff, but he would, he'd do it, but then he'd do it and do it and do it until somebody saw him doing it. And if nobody saw him, then he would, you know, I, I don't want any credit or nothing, but you know that I, I, I did this or I did the other. I was like, okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we were very grateful for the gentleman, but he always wanted, like, somebody to, so I always thanked him. I always made sure, and I'm one of those. I like to say thank you to people when they serve, and if you haven't noticed, I say thank you a lot. I worked, at, I worked at a homeless ministry and had, uh, I oversaw 400 volunteers. So it's very difficult if you, you know, 400 employees on their own is, is a difficult job to administrate that. Imagine volunteers that you're not paying. <laughs> right? I figured it out. They just want to be appreciated. And we would have, I would spend money to have dinners for them. And I would, you know, now all the, the volunteers are, when are we having that? 
right? Okay. My wife will set that up for you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but we would do these things to appreciate them, even though nobody even noticed. Some of them worked in the kitchen, and some of them cleaned afterwards, and nobody really knew what they were doing. But yet they served God. And because of that, they were able not only to do his will, but they were fulfilling his plan. See, this guy that in New York, he ended up owning one of the largest cleaning businesses, and he ended up giving to many ministries and helping churches, and he was a deacon in his church, and he ended up, how did he end up doing that? Fulfilling God's plan for his life? By, by doing his will. By doing his will. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Graduates, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Don't just put your physical being, your mind into it. Put your heart into it. Where your heart is, there your treasure shall be also. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's a big deal. And the last one is our attention. God's will requires our attention. And this is big right now because our attention is being pulled here and there and the media is yanking us this way and yanking us that way. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. You think you just finished something? You, you're just starting something, right? You're just moving from one season in your life to the next. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Aren't we living in a time where we're like, man, the days are evil? Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we're seeing things on, on TV and media and Facebook and this and the other. And we're like, that can't be the will of God. You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. There's always the will of God in everything. That's why it says be thankful in all things. Why? Because God is accomplishing something. Don't miss it. Don't be, don't be distracted by all the stuff that's happening because God is working something out, and he could be working something out in you. Matthew 6, 34, last scripture. This is, listen, this is really powerful. This, this scripture really ministered to me this week as I was preparing this message. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. So when that was written, it was written for right now. Not for right then, but you read it, it says right now. So whenever you read it, it's right now. Give your attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. But if we miss out on God's will, then he may not help us. And we know that we need, God, oh, we need God's help. Do we not need God's help? More than ever, we need God's help. We need to be able to live our life this way. So you guys that are graduating and, and trying to figure out what you're doing, I know you're figuring out already, I'm going to go study this, I'm going to go do that, I'm going to do the other. You know, uh, I had it all figured out too, and God turned my life upside down. I, and I'm not saying this will happen to you, but, uh, you know, I, I got saved, and when I got saved, I... I, I I don't know if I should share this, but I guess I'm just a regular person like you. Some of you are going to look at me and go, man, how did you end up where you're at? I don't know. I have no idea. I just said, yes, Lord. But I wouldn't have picked me either. <laughs> 
But I, uh, I got expelled from high school about nine weeks away from graduating. I won't tell you why. But uh, I was about to graduate high school. And, uh, and I was going to graduate. I had missed a lot of days and all that. But I had good enough grades to graduate, even in the midst of where my mind was, which I can tell you it wasn't in the school. And uh, I left, you know, I couldn't go back to school to finish, so I never actually graduated from high school. So I went and worked uh, laying tile. And uh, I learned how to lay tile for a few months and moved from a helper's helper. You want to talk about peon? I was the helper's helper. And then I moved to helper, and then I moved to unlicensed journeyman. So I learned how to, you know, we were, I don't know how old you guys are, but you guys remember Burdines? All the young people are going, what is he talking about? Burdines used to be in the middle of every mall. Every, you know, you'd walk through the mall, and you had to walk through Burdines to get to the other side of the mall. Like Dillard's now and those kind of, but uh, we had the contract for Burdines, so we used to travel around and, and tear out all the carpet at night for Burdines and lay tile. And I made, I made really good money. This was uh, mid-80s. And I was, I was, it was coming in really well for my age. So I didn't, I don't know, what do I got to go to school for? So a couple years later, my knees started swelling up. And, and uh, you know, I would work all night and put ice on it all day to make it through the next day. And, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, so um, I got saved in the midst of all this happening. And I got radically saved, moved, moved out of my apartment, moved in with my dad and I went to college, and uh, I became an electronics engineer, got a job at Xerox, and was doing really well with Xerox, moved up the corporate ladder really fast. And I just had one of the, uh, I, I was a manager and ended up owning my own business, uh, contracted by Xerox, and one of my employees called me yesterday, actually, to find out how we were doing and all that, and to want, he wanted to play golf. But, uh, you know, we talked for a little bit, and it reminded me of all that. And, you know, and I, we were doing, we were living the American dream. We bought a house, and we were, I had a boat you know, in my garage and, and all that. And then things were doing, we were going, we were going on vacations. Things were, were good. And the Lord shows up in the midst of all that and says, no, I, I need you to, I need you to pack up and go to broke, broken arrow, Oklahoma <laughs> and go to school so that you can become what I, my, the plan that I have for you. But see, in the midst of all that, even though I was working and I went to school and I got, I went back, got my GD, by the way, and uh, I did so well on the test that they just gave me a high school diploma. They didn't give me a GD. They gave me an actual diploma. I think it was, they felt bad. I was only nine weeks away from graduating. But uh, they gave me a high school diploma. I got a, a degree in electronics engineering and did all that. And in the midst of all that, you would say, wow, that, you know, you were doing well. I said, yeah, but I, I was doing God's will, but I wasn't fulfilling God's plan for my life. But because I was in his will, he, I, he spoke to me and I heard him. And he had to tell me several times. It took two weeks before I finally approached my wife and said, hey, we're, we're moving out. And during that time, uh, the, the company that I was contracted with was about to triple my business. We were already doing good. So imagine good three times over. <laughs> and, uh, and they called me and I said, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And uh, they said, I don't think you understood what we said. Would you like me to send you the numbers? <laughs> like, no, I know what the numbers are. It's three times what I'm making now. <laughs> so I said, no, I have, to do, I have to do this. And they didn't understand. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter because we packed up and left. And um, I'm glad that we did. And we found God's plan for our life. In the midst of all that, I've gone back to school. And in, in I went back in my 30s. 
and did seminary, went back in my 40s and got a college degree. I don't recommend that. Do this now while you're young and your brain's working. Because uh, in my 40s, it was like my brain was oozing out of my ears because, uh, you know, it was melting inside my head. It doesn't work like it used to, you know. But, but you know, with my wife's help and, and yeah, right? How, how old were you when you finally? Uh-huh. 55. Right? And uh, so, and now she's trying to get me to go back again and get my master's, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but in the midst of all that, I found God's plan. Why? Because I was living his will. Even though what we were doing wasn't bad. We were working. We were making money. But God pulled me and my family out of Miami. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That I did not raise my kids in Miami. We could have done it, but it would have been a lot more difficult uh, than, than, you know, having come out of there. And, and because of that, my kids were able to go to private, Christian private school. Ricky went from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade in the same private, little private school that we worked at, the church. And, and they did all that, you know, for free because we worked there. My wife was a teacher there, and I was the associate pastor at the church. And we were blessed because of it, because we fell right into God's plan, because we were living in God's will. So I, I challenge you, graduates, and the rest of you today that you might think, well, I'm, I'm too old for that. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, God can fulfill his plan in just a moment's time. I shared this morning about Colonel Sanders. How many of you know his story? And, uh, you know, he came up with the, the original recipe. I don't know, you know, if that was God's plan, but it sure is good chicken. But uh, it was. My wife says, yeah, it was God's plan because we wouldn't have that good chicken today, right? I think that's what I'm going to have for lunch today, but I've mentioned it twice already. Um, but he, you know, he came up with that original recipe and, and had, and worked in a restaurant on route 66 and had a little chicken place and the truckers would stop there and then they built I-95 and then that business went out of business and, uh, thank God that they never did anything with the recipe, but he tried over and over again. I mean, he was making a nickel for, for his recipe, a nickel per, per chicken or something like that for his recipe. You got to read his story. It's incredible. When he was in his sixties. He opened his first Kentucky Fried Chicken in his 60s. Before he turned 70, he sold KFC to PepsiCo for $4 billion. One of the largest purchases of the time of a fast food restaurant because it was one of the fastest growing fast food. In, in just a matter of a few years, right? And he was, he was a, a, a Baptist Christian man, and a lot of that money went towards missions and helping people. He fulfilled the plan for his life in just a few years, and it took almost 60 to get there. Come on, some of you older people should be shouting now like, yes, I'll take whatever I missed out of these last few years, right? Write me that check. I'll take it, right? I'm praying for you so you can give 10% to the church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Visitors, I'm only kidding, you know. Sometimes you have people visit and they think all the pastor wants is your money. No, that is not true here. That is not true. If you're not giving joyfully, I always say keep it. You know, if you're not, if you're not, you don't believe, just keep it. It's okay. <laughs> we, we're going to make it. God provides for us. So, but we love you. We care about you. Graduates, congratulations. Um, you guys are awesome. And... Uh, you have, you, have a family, you have a family here, so anything that you need, I know you got awesome parents to, to go to, and they're going to help you through this time, but know that we're here for you too, and, and we're all proud of you. We all want you to succeed, and we want you to change the world. 
Change the world. We be- that's not just something that we say, oh, that's so nice. What a cliche. We just say change the world. No, we believe, right? That anybody, that a, we believe that a peanut farmer can become president. Anybody, right? Come on. We believe that, that anybody out of a, this little small town can, can grow up and become a, a world changer. Find God's will, fulfill God's plan, and you will do just that. You will change the world. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you, Father. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your will in our lives. Help us, Lord. We need help to do these things, Lord, to to live a sanctified life, Lord, and to serve you in this way and to not be hypocrites, Lord, and to be genuine, Lord. And we need help, Lord, from your Holy Spirit to guide us and to strengthen us to be able to fulfill these things for our life, Father. So, Lord, that's what we do this morning. We're crying out for help. Help us that we would be able to fulfill your will, that we could find your plan for our lives and that we could fulfill that, Lord. Oh, imagine if the church and everyone in it fulfilled the will and the plan of God. We would win the world. We would win the world. So I just thank you. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.